Hello, I'm Hilary Robertson. Welcome to episode 29 of Harmonious World. I'm delighted this week to be joined by sax player Jane Ira Bloom, who has recorded a very interesting album with bass player Mark Helias. It's called Some Kind of Tomorrow. Mark and Jane came together during lockdown remotely. And one of the things they said was, we just had to play to connect with each other across a distance in whatever way we could. There is something very raw about this music and it is simply stunning. So I hope you enjoy our conversation. Hi. Hi, Hilary. <laughs> nice Jane. <to> you. <laughs> yeah, you too. This is so amazing. <laughs> Isn't it? Oh, do you know what? It's just incredible. I've been doing this uh, in my teaching, so I know about Zoom now, you know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, we all have come on so far, haven't we, in this last year? It's incredible. Learning curve's been amazing, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for joining me. I really appreciate your time. Oh, this, this is great. This is amazing that we're talking to each other across the ocean. <laughs> it's incredible, isn't it? And And when I started this podcast, I had no idea that I would, this is episode 29, and it's just, I've spoken to so many amazing people, and I've listened to music that I probably wouldn't have listened to otherwise, and I hope that I've helped my listeners to do the same. You know, isn't it amazing when, you, you know, the, you know, the upside of, of the fact that we're all, you know, available is that we are available also to connect, you know? Yeah. Uh, so many musicians, you know, are more available, you know, at, uh, to both, you know, play and, and speak now, you know, with one another on Zoom. Yeah, um, because ordinarily you'd be sitting in airports and traveling and, you know, if you're sitting on a, a tour bus or on an airplane, you can't do it. You can't chat with people. You can't do an interview properly. So, no. you know. Yeah, you know, we've got a little downtime so we, we can actually connect, you know. <laughs> exactly. Well, and I'm hoping that. Uh, maybe, you know, when it comes to you touring over here or, you know, if I come over to the States that, you know, we can connect in person and do a second one face to face. Absolutely. That's the whole point. The whole exactly. Point. Although yeah. I must admit, it's been a long time since I've been to Lon London. Uh, I think my last performance there was at Wigmore Hall a long time ago with right. great, great trumpet player, Kenny Wheeler. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. That's a nice memory. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. What sort of band was that? What what setup did you, did did you have? Um, I brought Rufus Reed with me, and I had oh. been playing the, around that time with Kenny. So we were, you know, playing some music that we had worked on, and uh, John Taylor came oh. and played piano with us. So it was a beautiful quartet, but no no drums. Perfect for Wigmore Hall. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. That's such a great space. It's uh, I've heard so many different genres of music in there. And it's just so intimate. You feel so close to the um, to the audience, and to the, the audience feels oh, close yeah. to the performance. And there are a lot of great ghosts in that room. A lot of great music oh, in there. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Right. So let's talk about some kind of tomorrow, mm -hmm. because it's just come out. It's the, one of the most interesting albums in terms of the. It feels very, very raw and personal. So tell me how you decided to do this. It's, uh, you, you nail it. It's, it's about as personal as it gets. 
you know, two musicians who really just felt like we had to find some way to play. And it didn't matter. I mean, you know, myself and bassist Mark Elias have, have been playing together for many, many years. So um, we're old bandmates and stuff. But when we came to this idea of trying to find one another over the Internet and try to play, it was like we were almost... It was like euphoric. I remember after the first session, he and I were almost giddy. We felt the need to play with each other so badly. Uh, and you have to remember, we, we were picking it out of the air. Normally, you know, when I we do concerts, we have compositions that we rehearse and play and improvise on and such. None of that. Everything, like, completely out the window. Wow. We just, all we did was play. We didn't even talk. <laughs> wow. So and and I what one thing I'm curious about is the titles. Mm-hmm. So did the titles come first or the music come first and that which way round? Music came first and then I I I've always been kind of a lateral thinker. I don't know where these titles come from, but I pretty much labeled most of them afterwards. But the music came first. Yep. Right. And and did you play so did you have Zoom and did you just play together at the same time or did you how did that work? Well, all right, here's how it works. You use Zoom to actually play with, listen to each other and play with each other. But you don't record on Zoom because right. if you did, then you would hear how much uh, delay there is between the two of you. In fact, when you actually play in the reel, um, it, it, feels, it feels like it's close to what you're used to, right? But what we actually did was I recorded what I was playing separately in my room uh, on a separate file. And then Mark is 98 miles away in his uh, office uh, studio and he recorded what he did. And then he took the two files and lined them up correctly. Ah, right. um, So that the the time relationship was correct. The time relationship, if you were to listen to it on Zoom, it wouldn't sound like it's lined up correctly. Exactly. but when you talk to each, you know, play with each other, it sounds okay, you know. <laughs> right, right. It, it, Zoom is weird like that, isn't it? Uh, and I think people don't necessarily understand that. Hillary, I don't even understand it. Well, <laughs> no. Because look at it. I mean, how, you know, Mark and I were, you know, Mark Elias, the bassist who I recorded with, we wondered how the heck did we do this? Because there is a delay, but something went on in our minds and our creativity that either we compensated or, I, you know, it's kind of like Twilight Zone stuff. I don't know how we did it either. <laughs> right. right. Kind of like maybe, I think, I, I was telling Mark the other day, I think it's like a phantom limb. You know how your brain... Oh, yeah. It, it, it recreates something that it, it thinks is there. <laughs> right. That, that, that must have been how I perceived the bass and how he perceived the saxophone. <laughs> But did, you've you've obviously played together for a long time, so you know each other's style, and you perhaps oh. can anticipate a little bit what. Oh, more than a little do. bit, absolutely. <laughs> that Im- improvisers who share a certain vocabulary over long periods of time, there's a lot of magic that goes on like that. Right. What have you worked on uh, with Mark before? Normally, uh, you know, uh, we played together in many settings, but for example, many of my recordings, you'll hear Mark playing uh, on jazz recordings that, you know, I, I'm the composer and you, 
You'll hear pieces of music where, you know, it's, def- you know, what the bass's role and the saxophone's role is. And then there's improvisation, but it's it's much more compositionally structured, you know. Um, this was like throwing it to the wind. <laughs> really. Yeah. And it, it, it's interesting that we found out how much kind of narrative was really inside us. Even when we make it up, it's inside us. <laughs> yeah. One of my favorite pieces was Drift and the bowed bass. Oh, yeah. That's just beautiful. And oh, so there's a composition element. You know, the obviously the improvisation, you know, is is very direct and, and immediate. But there's obviously a, 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 a thought process that goes into him going, I'm going to bow this. Oh, yeah. And God, isn't that gorgeous, uh, gorgeous oh. sound on the bay? He's playing a just a beautiful instrument and he just plays it so beautifully, particularly his arco playing you know, the bow. Yeah. Um, it's special. I, I, you know, if nothing else, uh, the music is, is a testament to each of our sounds. If you know what I mean? Yeah. Get, given that we're not playing, you know, like snappy tunes or things like no. that. No. <laughs> um, you can, we tried very hard to record ourselves in the, with the very best quality that we could. So you could, feel the timbre of a sound and hear the emotion that's in it. It's not about a lot of notes. It's about, it's about the feeling of the sound. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And your sound together, I mean, soprano sax and string bass, you know, that you would think that they wouldn't work together, but there's a meeting in the middle and there's a coming together of those two very different sounds, which is, I'm, I'm waving my hands around, which won't help the audience when I'm <laughs> on the podcast, but do you know what I mean? The, the, the upper register of the soprano and the, the lower of the bass, you know, they just sit beautifully together. You know, I, I've always had a passion for bass, acoustic bass. I just love the instrument, but it's because, you know, the instrument I play, it's very high. You know? yeah. <laughs> and, and it's yin yang, you know, you, you got the high, you got to have the low. You know, it, it has to, you know, complement each other. And I think that's what the two instruments do. Yes, I agree. And one mm-hmm. of the things it reminded me of, and I don't know why, because the music is very different, but in terms of the sound, is the Jerry Mulligan, Chet Baker, baritone sax trumpet. Oh. Do you know what I mean? That Sure. Nice. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. Comp- oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, nice to yeah. think about. Yeah, nice to think about. <laughs> Yeah, um, absolutely. Um, and it's it's all about how the, the two musical minds meet. You know, it, it could be different players and you might have a different sensation about it. Uh, but I think, you know, I Mark and I are, are listening deep. <laughs> We're listening yeah. deep. <laughs> I don't yeah. know how to say it. No, that's that's right. And um, you have a connection. A, 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 there's a there's a musical connection between you as you're as you're playing clearly. Yeah. And you have to remember, you know, we both of us have been around the block a bit, you know, we're both <laughs> pretty, pretty seasoned composer improvisers. So, you know, it's not like, um, you know, when you're younger, you got to play a lot of notes and you got to play loud, fast and high. This, yes. This was an honesty about uh, where we were in our musical selves and, and allowing that to be expressed unabashedly, you know, <laughs> completely... I mean, yeah. It's almost, you know, completely naked, really. <laughs> yeah, yes. Um, 
And uh, that's not an easy thing to come to, uh, you know, early on when, when you're a younger musician. But somehow Mark and I felt completely at ease with each other and, and the sound. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, talking about the soprano saxophone, your work, you, you know, you you have a you have a history. You you have a a repertoire. You've you've done a lot of playing, um, and I've always I've always liked your sound. I think your sound is just beautiful. There's something about your soprano sax playing that is really special. Before you, my experience of jazz soprano sax was Coltrane, and I think you do what he did, which is you know you don't need to play millions of notes because that instrument just sings. Well, it's 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 a funny member of the saxophone family, you know. Yeah. I always tell people, you know, it it uh, it it has a lot of challenges to it about particularly about playing in tune, you know. So I always oh, tell yeah. people uh when you're playing the soprano saxophone, it takes a while to learn how to finesse the thing. In other words, <laughs> to to get your voice to come through the instrument as opposed to the instrument dictating to you how it should sound, you know, kind of nasal you know which is a very common sound you hear it it takes a while to get your voice to come through it you know you've obviously done that oh you know and i love the instrument i just love it yeah yeah um is your am i right in thinking that your soprano is silver uh no it's brass okay okay i (laughs) don't know why i i had a i had a vision of you uh, of you standing holding a, a silver one but you know that must be a something I don't know where that came from one of I do have a number of horns and I have a backup horn that is silver but my number one horn is brass okay (laughs) (laughs) must have been it must have been the lighting Hillary it must have been been, absolutely yeah um can I because I'm a a sax player uh, Mm -hmm. can I just ask you what your setup is what you Mm -hmm. what your what your horn is what your mouthpiece Mm -hmm. is that sort of thing I you know it's very boring I've been playing the same horn since I was almost a teenage a teenager, a Selmer uh, Mark VI uh, soprano saxophone uh, that has the high F sharp on it. But I think I got that horn like it's 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 uh, this the serial number is late sixties. You know, it's that's about about right. the era of that horn. And I've been you know it's just what you get used to. Yeah. You know, if you've been playing the same thing, it's like a part of your body. You know. You know. Sure. <laughs> Same same horn, um, and it's been uh, repaired and and beautifully taken care of by a great craftsman of of the sa- saxophone, Emilio Lyons, the famous saxophone repairman. Those are his pads and everything. Oh, right. Um, and the mouthpiece for for anybody who wants to talk deep dish <laughs> saxophone <Yeah>. talk, <laughs> it's uh, an old uh, Selmer uh, rubber D. Um, oh, right. Again, circa 1960s. That's how old it is. Uh, yeah. They call it, a, what, a classic or something? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's really interesting. I um, I play baritone sax mm-hmm. and uh, I've got an old Selma Mark VI. Mine's in the, mine's fift- in the 50s, uh, late mm-hmm. 50s. And it's just uh-huh. beautiful. And mine's the same that I have a, I have a pet uh, repairer who... I wouldn't let anybody else touch it, you know. There you go. There you yeah. go. <laughs> yeah, you gotta you gotta treat these these things with care, haven't you? Yeah, absolutely. And it, it's like uh, the 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 instrument is it becomes part of your body <laughs> in a way. It, it's so uh, you're so uh, comfortable and accustomed to it. Yeah. You know? 
Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. Right. So um, some kind of tomorrow came about because of lockdown. Mm -hmm. And what was your initial? So so were you were you sort of touring and gigging and all of a sudden it stopped? Or how did your how did your lockdown start? Yeah. First yeah. of all, I'm in New York City and I stopped taking the subway. That's the first right. thing that happened on March 11th. Uh, and then, yes, my gigs got canceled. Mark's gigs got canceled. Um, uh, all of a sudden, everything that, that we had planned was taken away. You know, it was gone. Yeah. So I, I, I did continue. I, I teach at the New School for Jazz and Contemporary Music in New York City. So I was continuing to teach students virtually. Um, but um, yes, it was an abrupt change of what musically you could do. So you just it's you just had to get creative. You had to think of something, you know. You had yeah. to think of something. And to be honest, Hillary, we didn't. Mark and I weren't planning on making a recording. We just played, and we we uh, over you know several days over the course of the year, we we just get on. To, let's play some. Let's play some. And we recorded. We weren't even thinking about making records. <laughs> and then finally, you know, at the end of the fall, it came around. Mark said, you know, I've been I've been listening back to these recordings. They sound pretty good. <laughs> Maybe we should let let some people listen to this. And that's how it happened. I'm telling you, it wasn't like we're going to make an album. <laughs> it wasn't like that at all. Right. It's so not, the music kept the music came out of the need to play and to play, play together. That's it in a nutshell. <laughs> that's it. completely. <laughs> That's it. Absolutely. That, that's it. Um, uh, it was a surprise to us listening back to it. <laughs> right. Um, so then obviously it's about going through. So uh, and Mark did all the mastering and everything. Yes, he? he's quite skillful in, in the engineering. Yeah, he did a great yeah. job, I thought. Yeah. Oh, definitely. So it's it's a beautiful collection and it almost feels like it sums up something about lockdown and this you know what's going to be a year of our lives let's hope it's not too much more than a year mm -hmm. and it's a moment in time isn't it it has to be and 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 as all great improvised music must be it must reflect and react to its own time whether we like it or not, it's it's what's real. And and some of the best music that we dearly love and listen to on treasured records, on LPs and stuff, that that those were moments of those musicians' live performances. Don't you remember some of your favorite live recordings? You oh, know? absolutely. Yeah. Some of the best ones the musicians will tell you they didn't even know the mics were on. <laughs> no. No, I, there are some. There are some classics, aren't there? And actually, a lot of the classic recordings that that people come back to over and over again. You know, things like um, Ella Fitzgerald singing "Mac the Knife." It's one of my favourite versions of "Mac the Knife," and probably of most other you know vocals. And that's her singing live and forgetting the words, and you know, and and just going with the flow. And it 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 does. It it couldn't have happened any other time. No, it's it's the, it's the real moment, and uh, yeah. you know, with all the the uh, stuff that must you know go on in your head about you know the recording and da, 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 when you when you forget about these microphones, that's when the best stuff happens. Yeah, yeah, and actually, perhaps that's why this is such a great album because you didn't think it was going to be an album at all. No, no, it was just a 
a heightened sense of reaching out to the other musician. I mean, if you could describe it any way, if anything that this uh, kind of remote way of, of connecting to musicians is, it's kind of uh, what they describe like when you're sensory deprived. Uh, there's some other th- muscle or kinesthetic thing that goes on in your mind, in your body, that you reach out to the other with your ears, with your mind, even stronger. I don't know how else to describe that. But it's right. very, in- it's intense. It's almost like a more focused kind of listening, I, th- I think. Yeah, that's brilliant. So how has lockdown been for you? Um, so obviously musically it's been completely different but you know life in general obviously New York City has completely shut down and you know yeah, I mean my world has gotten very small <laughs> <laughs> I mean I, uh, fortunately because I do live in New York City I can walk you know I can walk 50 blocks or I can walk in the park or I you know walk to where I have to go and uh, the economy of all of the stores and the groceries and things that are right near me uh, are still alive and and thriving. So you know, it's it's like I live in a small outpost or a small community <laughs> in New York City. Um, well, it's it's just how we have to handle things right now. Right, exactly. And um, have you started making plans for what next? Oh yeah, I've got plans. I mean, I'm just crossing my fingers, and and vaccinations coming soon. You know. Um, I have a project uh, that I actually got a grant to do, and I've written a, a lot of music. Uh, I've been writing a lot of music uh, in, in this downtime, uh, and this is music inspired by a very famous uh, New York photographer by the name of Berenice Abbott. Okay. And, if, and she's worth checking out if you don't know much about her work. But this album, uh, which I proposed to to um, make a series of immersive, uh, very high quality audio recordings in surround sound or or immersive sound, we call it. Oh, yeah. uh, Of duets with myself and some very prominent women improvisers and world music musicians. And if we're all vaccinated by the summer, (laughs) I'm hoping we can, you know, somehow get in in a space and record these things. That sounds amazing. I'm, I'm looking forward to, you know, physically being with the other musicians (laughs) yeah definitely but I wanted to talk to you about first canvas because it's only a minute long why is it so short I mean it's beautiful and it's a great end to the album but how did it happen it was actually I think a, a um a track that we recorded at the beginning of one of our sessions and somehow it found its way to the end of the recording when we sequenced things. Uh, so it's rather strange to call it first canvas. But sometimes the magic happens and sometimes it doesn't. But sometimes the magic happens and it's short. Yeah. And, and so we just said, it's interesting. It's just concise. <laughs> so we yeah. decided to hold on to it. <laughs> right. And, it, and it's nice. It's very rare for, I mean, jazz musicians, we, you know, we do tend to go on a bit and, and it's very easy to kind of keep going chorus after chorus, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, but this is the exact opposite of that. It's, it's, as you say, it's concise. It's one minute of pure improvisation in this, with this duo. Sometimes it just takes a minute to say what you're going to say. And uh, if you're comfortable with that, you say it and it's over. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Okay. 
Right. Well, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Oh, and pleasure talking with you. Pleasure talking with you. Brilliant. And uh, wish you all the best for coming out of lockdown. And I'll definitely check out that new project. It sounds brilliant. Oh, great. And and yeah, send everybody to, to Bandcamp and, and go go download this, this uh, project. I hope you enjoy. Yeah, lovely. Thank you very much. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of Harmonious World. It was such a delight to interview Jane. And obviously, I'll put all the links in the show notes so that you can go to Bandcamp and find that album. So thank you for joining me once again on Harmonious World. Please do hit subscribe, send me a review, buy me a coffee. There are all the links on the top of the Harmonious World Buzzsprout page. And I'm looking forward to interviewing some more exciting musicians in the course of the rest of 2021. Thank you for joining me and I'll see you soon. Bye. Thank you for listening to the latest episode of Harmonious World. My name is Hilary Seabrook and it's a great delight to bring this series of discussions with musicians and composers and writers and all sorts of people to you. Obviously, there's no point in having a podcast if people aren't listening, and I'm very grateful to my listeners for doing so. Thanks also to Joe English for composing and performing this new theme tune. So wherever you get your podcast, you can leave a review. You can share this with your friends and family, either as a link or on social media and that sort of thing. I'd be really grateful for that. Don't forget that you can subscribe now. There's a link wherever you get your podcasts. So have a great week and please remember why I started this, which is just to try and make the world a little more harmonious. Thanks for listening to Harmonious World. <laughs>